0: back to In The Q, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. I'm your co-host, Phil, and this movie is a breath of fresh air during this summer season of <laughs> Blockbusters. Uh,
1: yeah, I'm your co-host, Andrew, and I cannot tell you how refreshing <laughs> it is to see a film where the spatial geometry makes...
0: Perfect sense, all the time. We're gonna have a very, very theoretical discussion in part. I yeah, think yeah, about this yeah, film. So we're gonna get all geeky on you and talk about s- syntax and grammar. Uh, before we do that, though, well, we're talking about the new Mad Max movie, Mad Max: Fury Road. Um, oh, yeah. The last Mad Max movie, as you may remember, was in 1985. So that's 30 years ago. It was, uh, and it's yeah. back. It's got the original director, George Miller, who co-wrote the film. And it's been, without tipping my hand, quite the sensation this it this has, summer. I mean, among critics and moviegoers alike. It has extraordinary reviews, mm-hmm. the likes of which I have not seen in a long time. Yeah. So before we talk about the film, though, I want to let you guys know where you can find us on the web. You can go to our blog at www.in-the-q, and that's the letter q, .com. On our blog, we post all of our episodes. You can listen to any one of them. We also have a forum for comments and discussions. You can also leave listener requests for movies you would like us to review, and we will honor them. Mm-hmm. You can do some of those same things on our Facebook page. Uh, once again, shows are posted, forum for comments and listener suggestions, Also, though, we can post videos and other things that kind of supplement or comment on the discussions that we happen to be having that particular week for that particular film. And then lastly, we have an iTunes presence. We do. So you can actually subscribe to our podcast in the queue. That's Q-U-E-U-E, Film Conversations with Andrew and Phil. And you can get all of our shows dating back to the very beginning when we first started. Every single one of them. Yeah, and then as they come out, we do two shows a week. As they come out, you'll be able to get them all delivered to you, tout suite, tout suite, tout suite, as they say in Belgium. Um, Mad Max: Fury Road. It's a post-apocalyptic adventure story. Mm -hmm. Um, It takes place in a time when water is very scarce. Um, The terrain is very sort of desert-like, and it is. uh, Max Rockatansky is a prisoner uh, of the War Boys, who live in the Citadel, and they're being led by this evil Emperor Joe. Uh, Mad- Immortan Mad- Joe. Immortan, you know, you know all the terminology, don't you? Oh yeah, I do. <laughs> so Immortan Joe, uh, Mad Max escapes and hooks up with Im- Imperator Furiosa, uh, who is a woman who is fleeing Joe with. His uh, five brides um, Mm -hmm. and the women who were selected for breeding and they're going off to uh, pursue a um, Furiosa's childhood home. Um, The Green Place. The Green Place, right, which is, as you can probably imagine based on the name, much more appealing than anything else in the film. (laughs) Much more appealing than Gastown or The Bullet Farm. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, so Mad Max, he's, he's along for the ride, basically, and they're escaping Morton Joe's army and the War Boys who are coming after them. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the, the basic premise. It's a great action movie. It's, as Andrew yeah. said, what we're talking about, in case some people are maybe unsure, um, in the medium of film, when you're cutting from one shot to the next you basically have to create what's known as suspension of disbelief, which is you have to convince the viewer that what they're seeing is real. Uh, It's actually happening on screen. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of the time, special effects don't work for us because they don't look like they're actually happening on screen, in the frame, in relation to everything else. But if you set it up correctly and... Make it look, for example, like if somebody looks off to screen left, then the next shot is of an object or person looking screen right, then that means their eye lines match, and boom, through that edit between those two shots, you create meaning, and yes. you, you establish spatial connections, and mm-hmm. that is the mark of a good filmmaker who's able to do that, Too many people, such as in another Tom Hardy movie we watched recently, Child 44, where they will just kind of chaotically shoot something and make it chaotic for an action scene. Well, to create chaos, you have to be very orderly in the film. And George Miller uh, has really proved himself to be a a master craftsman in in staging all these great action sequences. Mm -hmm.
1: um, Yeah, Yeah, and... I think it. I think it's important to note that, um, you. It can be done, in the other way. For instance, probably the sort of uh, example that is held up the most often as being a good example of the kind of wild visual style that has taken over action filmmaking in the twenty first century yeah. is the Jason Bourne movies, right? The Bourne Identity, Bourne Supremacy, et cetera.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Those movies are almost entirely handheld and the action cuts very quickly. The The average shot length in those movies is like a, a fraction of a second. Mm. And the, it creates a sense of chaos that works very well for the type of film that it is. Right. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't work for all action film. And there's nothing to say that it might not even work better for the Bourne films. If they were to put the camera on a tripod and sure. plan out their shots ahead of time. But Uh, I think that my theory about this, and I don't know if it's been substantiated or talked about anywhere else, but my theory about this is the fact that with the advent of digital filmmaking, cameras have gotten smaller and lighter and easier to carry around. And people have gotten lazier about planning the way that they shoot their material. So what ends up happening is they make their movies and they say, ah, just shoot it. Just just shoot the action. Shoot a bunch of coverage. We'll cut it together in the editing room and it'll be fine. We'll fix it in post is
0: such a common expression.
1: Yeah, we'll fix it in post. And, uh, and I think that that's a mistake. Uh, and, and one that it's very clear in the context of this film, George Miller did not want to make. In fact, when he sat down... Uh, to make this film it is said in interviews i think uh that i read not long ago that he wanted to ensure that it was not like quote unquote like all of that garbage out there or some such quote Mm -hmm. right Uh, he, he was taking shots at the the current state of action filmmaking and saying that this is kind of garbage and he sat down with his editor margaret sixel and he said Every cut needs to make sense. Everything needs to flow from one shot to the next. It doesn't... We don't want to do what everybody else is doing right now. And this is, of course, somebody who cut his teeth back in the 70s and the 80s making great action movies. Yeah. So he knows whereof he speaks. And he... Essentially, I mean, I've seen it said that this movie is, for all intents and purposes, a master class in
0: action filmmaking. And I think that that's absolutely appropriate. And it's really amazing, too, that the uh, score on Rotten Tomatoes is so kick-ass that it <laughs> yeah. actually blows away any movie that would come out during Oscar season. It's got like a 98% rot- Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, yeah. it's, it's amazing. Um, yeah. I, I think that, you know... Another reason why to sort of refer to what you were just saying, Andrew, is a lot of people are getting lazy when they're shooting is because, of course, tape or digital media is so dispensable now. They don't have to worry about spending a lot of money burning film. Yeah, um, yeah. Mad Max Fury Road uh, looks like it's on film. I don't know for certain. But either way, it's still something that is so orchestrated and planned out. That it's just you know a lot of fun to watch too. Um, yeah, and it's and it's almost
1: unfathomable to think about the amount of planning that has to go into something like this because so many of the effects are practical effects, mm-hmm. and so much of the action. I mean, the, I mean, this film is not shy about having sweeping crane shots and helicopter shots and, uh, uh you know, action matching action cuts of insane stunts Yeah. that you know that they didn't necessarily get on the first take. There's just too many of them for that to even be humanly possible. So the amount of planning that had to go into
0: this is mammoth. right? <laughs> Absolutely mammoth. And uh, apart from sort of the, um, you know, being kind of outside the story and looking at the way it was made, there are some pretty amusing bits of trivia surrounding the film as well. Um, yeah. The the war boys in the movie are these, you know, bald, you know, gun ho warriors um, who they they want to get into Valhalla. And, and yeah. They, when to, when they want to get into Valhalla, when they think they're going to meet their maker, in, in, in the as they attempt to you know defeat their enemy, they spray this silver spray all over their mouth. Yeah, uh, a drug of some kind. Of- right. You know something like that, and um, there's actually I don't know if you heard this, Andrew, but there is something called Wilton Silver Color Mist that you can buy on Amazon.com, which is a silver spray that's that's edible that you can use to spray on cakes. Oh wow! And starting, you know, after a month or so, after Mad Max Fury Road was released, these comments started <laughs> appearing on Amazon.com from these guys. We're talking about how they use the spray before they enter Valhalla, and um, <laughs> they say things like um, "I live, I die, I live again," and that comment got you know nine hundred likes. Of um, course, yeah. My favorite one though is when is it says "What a spray! What a lovely spray!" <laughs> <laughs> um, and so it's just that was pretty amusing. And we we were also talking earlier before before we started recording that. I mean, my favorite character of the film is, what's his name? Doof? The Doof Warrior. The Doof Warrior, yeah. The guy who plays this insane, like, giant flame-throwing guitar sitar c- concoction, which in actuality weighed, like, over 150 pounds. And it yeah. actually worked. Like, it did... I mean, you saw in the film, it, sp- it literally sprayed fire. The, most of the effects in this movie were practical. Um, Very little CGI was used. Uh, yeah. And it's just... Uh, it, CGI seems to have only been used primarily for background uh, effects. Yeah, um, to and, to enhance the landscape or are also yeah. um, for Charlize Theron's left hand, which is a yes, aesthetic arm. of course, of course, and and that's and that
1: in in and of itself is uh, amazing that you know I mean that's the, and and also kind of a a spit in the face of modern action filmmaking because so much of it is. CG yeah. these days. And it's and it's unbelievable. There's there's something to be said for actual actors in a space with actual constructions, things that they can view and touch and feel, things that are tactile, things that allow them to perform their their
0: performance. Yeah. I could give with you, I could give you so many examples of of how the simple act of placing a person in the same space as something threatening or exciting creates so much impact like North by Northwest, the great Albert Hitchcock film mm-hmm. um, when Cary Grant is being chased down the road by the, the crop duster. Um, that is just one long shot of Cary Grant running. And in the background, there's the plane and it's right behind him and it gets really, really close. Yeah. And it creates like real tension because you're like, Oh my God, that plane is really right there. Um there's so many examples of how that is just it it harkens back to the idea of suspension of disbelief which is at the heart of any fiction film you want you want to believe that this is a world you can escape into and mm-hmm. and be moved and excited um w- when I was in grad school we studied children of men the um yeah. five own film and yeah. there's a there's a scene in the very beginning which is just one unbroken fluid master where Clive Owen is in a cafe and the the TVs above the bar are showing how the world is in a sorry state and there's been more terrorist bombings and Clive Owen just kind of sh- you know shambles out of the cafe down the street and then the camera follows him and there's no cuts. Then he stops and then the camera swivels around him so it's in mm-hmm. front and then the background Boom! Huge explosion out of the cafe where he was just standing a minute ago. Yeah, yeah. And am I am I overly sensitive here? I mean, do I? To me, that's no. so much more impactful than to just use a cut from him standing there is. to then a shot of the explosion. It's just and it's the and right thing to do. It is,
1: and and Children of Men is actually famous for three separate yeah. fluid masters in the film that are all equally impressive for their impact, that one uh, sort of sets the stage for a lot of the film to come. There's another one in the mid-film that is a chase sequence that is absurdly exciting because of it is mm-hmm. one long shot. And then, of course, there's a, a sequence at the end of the film that I won't reveal for those who haven't seen it that has deep emotional impact because it's a fluid master, because yeah. it is all one shot with actual human beings in the shot and actual buildings and actual you know everything mm-hmm. that there is so much to be said for that and it's so rare nowadays i think that it speaks volumes that we're so surprised that this film has done
0: this because uh, there nobody does this anymore yeah nobody does it and uh, it's just very it's just a breath of fresh air and and interestingly the 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 love that that kind of pours out of this film mm-hmm. it could be because George Miller is married to the editor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that helps. Um, it definitely helps. But uh, something else that kind of struck me as, as kind of curious and I, I, I couldn't disagree with this person, but a friend of mine said that Mad Max was actually rather inconsequential to the plot of this film. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Which is which I think is wonderful. I mean, this this movie isn't really Mad Max's movie. This is Imperator Furiosa's movie. Right. It's a
0: very feminist uh, perspective.
1: Yeah. It's it absolutely is, and it's so. It's actually in a way, it's a dismantling of all of the pretensions and all of the, the sort of uh, tropes of standard action filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, the in the post uh, Schwarzenegger world. You know, all action movies have tried to live up to this kind of macho ideal. Yeah, and and it's actually, I think, very rare that action movies actually sort of are self aware enough to realize how ridiculous they are to begin with. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not just in terms of like what's happening in them, because that seems to happen with relative frequency. They're like, oh, isn't it funny that we're going, you know, to the, the nth degree? I mean, even Schwarzenegger was in a movie called Last Action Hero that was sort of a takedown of the the action genre.
0: I like that movie. It's,
1: it's, uh, a, it's a fun it's a, movie. It's a remarkably fun <laughs> and funny movie. Uh, there's one shot in that movie that I, is one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. Uh, <laughs> Go ahead. Tell us. <laughs> it's, they've been, they've been getting chased by these, these people and they escape into sort of this, uh, uh, into the, the river, the, the like riverbed in LA, the kind the of LA
0: river. Where,
1: yeah. Yeah. And they're driving along, and these people had hit a ramp behind them. And they're driving along, and they're just safe, and they put the whole thing behind them. And these people just fly through the back of the frame, hit <laughs> the side of the river, and explode in this
0: gigantic <laughs> explosion. That's right, I remember
1: that. It's the nonchalance uh, is staggeringly funny. It's so funny. Um, but that being said, this this film, uh, the thing that I love about The way that the story is told is how incredibly uh, how economical it is with the information that it gives us. We need almost a huge amount of it is visually told. First of all, it's not even spoken, and and that speaks also to sort of the spatial geometry and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But it's also. Just little bits of information. We don't get much information about anybody up top. And the film, as we go on this journey with Max and Imperator Furiosa, we learn more about what's going on. We don't understand it at first. All we know is that Imperator Furiosa doesn't want to make the run. Mm -hmm. We see her turn off the path, which incidentally, I'll just say to our previous conversational point, the fact that she was going away like she was going towards camera mm-hmm. when she was going away from uh, the their home and was going towards Gastown mm-hmm. that was always away from camera uh, going towards it was always towards camera then she takes a left and when she goes left we see the people that are chasing her are on like from the the con, conclave or what it, what was it the called citadel the citadel I'm sorry so the people from the citadel are coming from her left and the people from the uh gas town are coming from the right and i sat there and i was like this is so amazing that i know it, i know exactly who everybody is just by what direction they're coming towards her yeah it
0: uh, it, it amazes me anyway i actually would really love to see George Miller get nominated for best director at the Oscars next year. Oh, man. I think, I would love I that. think it's, it's a, he's a dark horse candidate, but of course, he...
1: any, any, any movie like this is going <laughs> to automatically be the dark
0: horse. Right. Yeah.
1: But uh, yeah, I mean, cause it's bonkers. Don't get us wrong people. I mean, it's insane. And in, in the best and most fun way, I mean the doof warrior, <laughs> this guy who has the, I love the doof warrior. <laughs> <laughs> the the electric guitar that spews flame. I mean, it's ridiculous that he even exists.
0: And he's only in the movie for like a second and a half. They, they cut they oh, cuts yeah. him like two or three times. And you're just like, whoa. He actually could control the flames using the whammy bar on the guitar. Oh, Isn't that great? That's awesome. I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. But, uh, but back to the story
1: oh, okay. itself. Like the story is very threadbare. Uh, and actually, I was having a conversation with my dad about this movie. Uh, <laughs> uh, before I had seen it, where he said that he just didn't like it because there was no, he, he he was like, there's no story to speak of. And and it's, granted, there's not a whole lot to this story. It's a very simple plot, but it is so engrossing and it is so compelling and the you care so much about the lives of the people that, you know, about Imperator Furiosa and her mission to sort of free these women from these, Horrible men who are controlling their lives and believe that they're property and believe that they uh, they can do with them as they please. Essentially, uh, as far as I can tell, she these wives were to be bartered
0: mm-hmm.
1: for gas or, you know, whatever yeah. goods they may need because they were supposed to go to the bullet farm. They need to get ammunition. So you trade women, I guess, for ammunition. It's uh, it's a bleak world that they live in. Oh, to say the least. <laughs> It's a very bleak world, but, uh, but to see this unfold, I mean, I was wrapped the entire time. I was, I could not take my eyes off the screen. I was absolutely fascinated by every frame. I, I just think it's a, I think it's a masterpiece of action filmmaking. I think it's one of the best movies of the year, unquestionably. Uh, I think it's just great all around. And Charlize Theron is on, as always, unbelievably good. Uh-huh. Unbelievably good. <laughs> she is never bad. I don't think I've ever seen her be bad. The worst I've ever seen her was *Reindeer Games*, and she wasn't even bad in that. Maybe
0: two days in the valley. I don't know. No, she's she's good. She really is, and she has that great performances. Eileen Wornos in *Monster*, which is one of my favorite yeah. films of the the last
1: fifteen years. Mm-hmm. I, I just think it's. I think that's a masterpiece of a movie. Yeah. Not just because of her
0: performance. I think it's an incredible film from beginning to end. So. Yeah, Charlize Theron is a maybe surprising choice for an action film cuz she's an Oscar-winning actress, but she's you know, she's a badass in in Mad Max and she really she carries the film. Um she, she does. is the the main main actor, the main protagonist. Yeah. Uh, it's a very as I said, it's a very kind of feminist uh, centered story and um the women are just as powerful if not more powerful than most of the men and yeah, so I, I, I like the film a lot. It, this isn't the kind of movie that really like makes my top ten list at the end of the year. Um, mm-hmm. But I still appreciated it for all the reasons that we discussed. I really appreciate it as a filmmaker because I can see how intelligently made it is. Um, yeah. I was actually reading about it and um, the storyboard was made even before the screenplay was written. Um, <laughs> the storyboard had 3,500 panels. I mean, that's some serious filmmaking right there. Uh, that show, That sounds right to me. <laughs> you you really care about the movie you're making if you're going to make 3,500 panels, you know that's planning yeah. out the whole freaking movie. And I love the the Doof Warrior. Um, so, I, <laughs> if you if you think you might like this movie, if you like action movies, oh, do not hesitate. Go see this movie. Yeah. Um, if you only watch dramas about British people that come out in December from the Weinstein Company then maybe you should see something else but if you are a movie buff if you like the road warrior which i really liked when i was a kid um yes see mad max fury road it is it's a sensational movie it's it's i think you'll definitely get something out of it yeah i think it's i think it's fun i think it's
1: uh i think it's smart i think it uh it is deceptively good like that's not the right way to
0: say that (laughs) deceptively good
1: no it's deceptively um substantive like there is substantial uh pathos and and substantial dramatic action happening in this film that you might not think that you would get out of uh your standard summer blockbuster fare yeah uh that's that's what i'm trying to say is that like there's 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 much more and i i I'm very excited about returning to this movie and watching it several times uh, because I think that I'll, I'll find more in it every time I I watch it. I think it just, it's just a nonstop movie. It's just, you know, you, you catch your breath at points in the movie. You have to slow down and go like, I mean, the, the, the movie ebbs and flows. It, It knows when to sort of
0: take a moment to breathe and allow its audience to breathe. And that's exactly what, what happens. Yeah. I mean cuz pacing is an art form when you're making a film. You know, you've got to be able to yeah. know when to let your audience pause and and rest and then get them excited about the next big action scene. Yeah. yeah. And I will also say
1: that George Miller though he did not he does not have the credit of director on Babe, the film about the talking pig which it. incidentally was nominated for best picture that year and quite frankly, I think should have won Best Picture that year. I do think it's that good a film. Is
0: it 1995?
1: 1995, yeah. Braveheart the won, the... right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess that was Braveheart, wasn't it? It wasn't the English. When did the English patient win? It was, that was 1996. When the... That was ninety six because yeah. it beat Fargo, which is a crock. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's absurd. Uh, but, uh, Chris Noonan directed Babe, but George Miller was a producer on it and a writer on it and had a g- great deal of influence over it. And then he also directed the sequel, uh-huh. which is quite good. Uh, he just knows filmmaking. He just understands it. He just gets it. I mean, the fact that he could make this movie and then he could also make Babe. Right. Is, is absurd. Yeah. And the restraint, like as wild and crazy as this film is, and this will be the last thing that I say, I promise. <laughs> the amount of restraint that he shows, even though it is kinetic and it's it's bonkers and it's insane and the doof warrior exists in this movie, <laughs> <laughs> even though all of those things are true, the amount of patience and restraint that he shows, the fact that it's not really, the the violence isn't even... Overwhelming no I mean there's only one moment in the entire film of really really sort of visceral violence yeah and that's towards the end and it earns it it, it earns that that payoff yeah right because the, the movie but,
0: the movie is not about entertaining us by having a high body count which is no. like a mindless uh, you know get out of jail free card that a lot of action filmmakers will play
1: yeah no it's more interested in the sort of mounting tension i mean like as as they go through this film you know clan after clan after clan joins the chase of this this uh this big rig that's driving across the desert and as every single every new group joins you it ratchets up the tension that much more and you get a little more terrified and a little more freaked out yeah it's just it's just masterful. It's great.
0: So we're both fans of this movie. Um, we recommend you check it out if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. Uh, join us for our next episode where we're going to do a listener's choice with our special guest, Emily, who requested that we watch and discuss Who Framed Roger Rabbit. The classic. The classic. Yeah, yeah.
1: And, That's going to be a good discussion.
0: Yeah, we're looking forward to that. We hope you are, too.